Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. My name is Eric Wickland, and I'm the Technology and Innovations Editor here at Health Leaders. Today, we're talking with Joanna White, Chief Nursing Executive at Infor, a registered nurse for more than 14 years. She's worked in several health systems around the Eastern U.S., most recently as a Chief Nurse Executive before joining Infor. She now advises healthcare clients on the value gained by adopting Infor's healthcare operations platform, as well as the benefits of embracing digital health transformation. Hello, Joanna. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Eric? I'm I'm fine, and thanks very much for joining us today on this podcast. Yeah, thank you and health leaders for having us. Now we've got a I've got I've got a few questions here just to to get into the conversation, uh, and it's going to be a broad conversation. Uh, the first the first one I've got here is, is technology often brings the need to change the mindset and culture for a company. What's your experience with with implementing changes in healthcare organizations? So my experience, I have a very broad, you know, um, you know, set of experiences. You know, whenever we're talking about technology, you know, I was part of um, electronic medical record implementation, so that was a very difficult undertaking, <laughs> to say yes. the least. Um, you know, and there's been a different vendors that I've been part of. You know, one of them was not one of the large ones that are in the um, technology space. So for that one, I was able to, you know, design a lot of it, which was a lot of fun. You know, I specialized in behavioral health. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't a lot available at that time. So just being able to develop it and also be part of that implementation, you know, being a super user, being able to learn every aspect of it, you know, it was a lot of fun. One of the things that really stick out to me whenever it comes to just implementing changes, you know, whether it be tech or whether it be, you know, anything in healthcare, you know, it comes down to that education, right? Mm -hmm. So you can go ahead and implement any change. You can go ahead and educate everyone at that point in time. But one of the things that I often see, and this just isn't as health in healthcare, it can be in any industry, is that organizations do really great at the beginning of a project. You've probably experienced this too, Eric, to where there's all of this, you know, emphasis on it, and then it kind of like fizzles out, right? So then it's the next priority. So then what you're left with is all of those people who were there at the organization at that time of implementation, they're good to go. But then what about all those new people that join? You know, are you implement or do you have that part of the onboarding for new staff? And then if something changes, you can't forget you need to train all of those people who were trained at the beginning. Another thing that I like to think of is, you know, train the trainer. A lot of organizations just out in healthcare, like I said, this can be in any industry. They really rely on train the trainer. But a lot of times in my experience, what that turns into is kind of like whisper down the lane. So, you know, you may have someone who has been trained by someone, you know, train the trainer, but at the same time, they may not be doing it the right way. And then they turn it into their own little, you know, their own little flow, the way that they like to do things. And then by, you know, after, you know, X amount of months, all of a sudden you're not following your policy, but it's because you went to that train the trainer. 
It's, it's certainly a continuing process in healthcare, especially with the new technologies being introduced, such as digital health and telehealth. Now, in your work in behavioral health, there's some there's some pretty interesting uh, advancements coming along now. Yeah, and that's been something that, you know, prior to joining in for, it was just, you know, it was amazing to watch. So, you know, there are big healthcare vendors out there, you know, specifically in EMR that are now kind of, you know, making their own kind of like suite of things for behavioral health, you know, also just monitoring patients, you know, because you do, you know, depending on the organization that you work, because, you know, like you've read, I've worked in multiple um, health systems, you know, 15 minute checks, you know, a lot of times that is paper process, but now there are vendors out there that are actually making that an electronic process. You know, there's also vendors out there using location based intelligence, you know, to where you can go ahead and you can just come so many feet of a patient and then, you know, you know, then it'll automatically mark that. Yep. You checked on that patient, you know, so it's just very interesting to see the way that, you know, healthcare is changing, especially in technology. It certainly is an exciting time. One of the more specific concerns right now, and this is, uh, it's healthcare is, is really being affected right this about, uh, uh, they're being affected right now with this is, is, is stress and burnout. Um, uh, one of the biggest challenges for nurses right now is burnout. And this leads to people leaving the profession completely. Um, what do you think is the biggest trigger for a, for burnout in healthcare right now? And what would be a winning strategy for addressing it? Talk about a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, first things that I think of, you know, whenever I think of burnout is that it's so much more than just like professional, right? I think that burnout goes way beyond the walls of a hospital. You know, I think that we look at personal life and then we kind of look at work life. And so it's like, how do you balance the two? Oftentimes I hear of no longer is it a personal slash work life balance. It's kind of more like a integration, right? And so sometimes whenever you combine the two, there's not a lot left to give. You know, because you have those late nights, you have those early mornings and everyone's situation is different. So I think that's the first thing that I wanted to touch base on, you know, whenever you talk about burnout. And then whenever we kind of lead more into healthcare, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of it and I'll get into the staffing as well, because, you know, that's the elephant in the room right now. But, you know, I just think like the unsafe working environment. So recently I was reading a study and or sorry, it was a survey, and it said that more than 11,800 nurses, which is almost one third of the respondents in that survey, they've actually experienced incidents of physical violence. So that number stuck out to me, but then the more that I read, and it's even more troubling, is that as many as 80% of nurses, they do not report this violence. So I think back to my experience, you know, and unfortunately, this happened to me as well, you know, and, you know, 80% of nurses, you know, so eight out of 10, it's happened to. So then I started thinking, I'm like, well, why, why do people, especially nurses, why do they not report it? You know, is it fear of retaliation? Maybe, you know, does sometimes, now leadership may say, that they don't feel this way, but maybe their actions show differently, that it's kind of like an expectation of the job. You know, if you look at 
where a lot of workplace injuries are occurring due to workplace violence, and you're looking at the emergency rooms or emergency departments, you're looking at behavioral health, but it is so prevalent everywhere now in healthcare. You know, just look at the recent incidents that happened in the news. You know, so one of the things that I think of, you know, as far as strategies to, you know, kind of address this issue is I think that I think it's kind of like twofold. Right. So we need to make sure that leadership is supporting their team at every level. So just not saying, hey, it's not expected, but following through on those incidents when something does happen. You know, I think back of, you know, one of the hospital systems that I worked for, you know, prior to joining um, in for. I'll never forget how powerful signage was. So what they did was they went around and they hung up signs just saying, you know, this is not a hostile work environment. We will not tolerate, you know, the verbal aggression, physical aggression in just that little bit turn the morale around more than what any spoken words could say. So it's just very powerful. So I think that's one step of it. And then I also think, you know, just legislation in general, some of the states that I worked in to where if you assaulted a healthcare worker, it was a felony. And then there's other states where I worked where it wasn't a felony. You know, so I think legislation, I think policymakers, I think that, you know, more nurses and more healthcare professionals need to be involved in Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that they need to help influence a lot of those decision makers because they don't have the background. You know, they just have what they read, you know, from the news or things like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think I, that. Oh, go mm-hmm. ahead. No, I was, I was going to say that's that's a fascinating point to make because uh, I have just come back from the uh, the health conference out in Las Vegas, and aside from the fact that stress and burnout is such a big issue in healthcare right now, and a lot of that is due to the pandemic, but also the increasing amount of violence we're seeing in hospitals. Um, the nurse, the the role of the nurse in healthcare is uh, is often overlooked and is often yeah. uh, not not fully appreciated when when talking about planning uh, enterprise wide strategies or innovation or new programs. The nurse is the the first point of contact for so for so many patients that that and that they should play more of a role in. In planning out these strategies, as, as as you and as you say, they're you know they're 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 bearing the the burden of, of being right on those front lines. Yeah, and I think leadership also needs to like focus on the well-being of their team. And when I mean that, I don't mean just like EAP, right? Um, so what I'm thinking more of is, you know, having these wellness programs, but embedding them. You know, embedding them into your organization throughout the employee life cycle and kind of just not making it someone's, I'll just call it a passion project, right? I mean, no matter where you work, there's something, you know, some projects come up and all of a sudden there's all this emphasis. And then, you know, so that's why I like to call it kind of like a passion project. Another big thing in nursing that I like to think of is, you know, just practicing shared governance. I've been in some organizations where, you know, they did not implement the shared governance, but then the organizations that I worked for that had that shared governance, it just made the frontline workers feel that much more empowered because they were part of 
those decisions, you know? Also, you know, just culture, making sure that that is embedded throughout the organization, making it a safe place for your team to feel like they can come and talk about things like that. You know, and Mm -hmm. go ahead. Well, I was I was thinking now to tie this into technology a little bit. Are there certain uh, advances or benefits to the technology platforms that are out there that could help this process along? I think that there are, you know, especially whenever it comes to, you know, different types of recognizing your team. You know, like I think of whenever I had to do, you know, I'm just going to call them check-ins. You know, I did some check-ins with my team. So different organizations had different, you know, amounts of time that they wanted you to connect with your team member, you know, with whoever reported to you, um, with your supervisees. And what happened was, you know, I would have like an Excel spreadsheet and I would go ahead and follow, you know, all of my pillars, you know, and then I would have to go back through and be like, okay, well, what did I talk to you last month about? And, you know, it was just so siloed. And so just being able to have one place where you can put everything and especially where you can go ahead and celebrate those accomplishments or maybe those tasks, you know, so maybe part of shared governance, you have unit practice councils. And so being able to know who all is doing what so that you can recognize them for their contributions, you know, because like I said, unit practice councils are part of that shared governance because then it just feeds up into, you know, the leadership of the hospital. So I think that's just one example of how technology can help with that. You know, another thing that I think about whenever, you know, we're talking about burnout and you were asking about it, you know, I talked about, (laughs) you know, staffing. You know, when it comes to travelers and, you know, the, you know, underpaid nurses, underpaid health coworkers and things like that. I think that, you know, whenever the pandemic hit, healthcare organizations had to react the way that they did. You know, they had to make sure that patient safety was the priority. They had to make sure that, you know, they were still focusing on their employees, you know, Mm -hmm. their team as well. And so I think that that's one of the things with, you know, that also has led to the burnout. But then what was interesting to me is, you know, I look at all the surveys and the studies that are being done, you know, and by the year 2030, whenever we get there that, you know, we're going to have even a larger nursing shortage. Mm -hmm. You know, we always talk about the baby boomers and how they're going to be retired. And, you know, we have nurses that are leaving the profession altogether. So what are we going to do? But the more that you dig into that, it's really surprising. So it even comes to nursing faculty. So I wanted to dig a little bit more into that. And what I found out, so the AACN, the American Association of Colleges of Nursing, so they just did, I think it was 21 to 22, it was an enrollment and graduation in the bachelor and graduate programs. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe it. So in the US, nursing schools turned away 91,938 qualified applicants. I was just blown away. And that was just in 2021. Yeah. So I wanted to find out why, you know, like, why did they turn them away? And it all boils down to, you know, the number, the number of faculty that they had. So the number of, you know, nursing instructors, the number of clinical sites, clinical preceptors and budget. So we're talking a shortage of teachers. 
Yeah. yeah. So then I wanted to dig even further because, you know, you have, depending on nursing schools, they want you to have, you know, your master's degree. So right away I was like, okay, well, what about salary? So for on, and this is just on average, your faculty for nurses make about 80,000. But if they choose to go in something other than nursing education, so maybe they want to be an advanced practice registered nurse, you know, maybe they want to be a nurse practitioner or any of that right away, you know, on average, it goes up 40,000. So now you're looking at 120. So why would you, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you look at the age of nursing faculty, you know, they're more of the baby boomers. Yes, definitely. So, So then I wanted to take it a step further and look even more. I'm like, okay, so. I wonder how many. So if they are seeing that many applicants get turned away for, you know, just the bachelor's degree programs. Well, what about master's and PhDs? Why? Because that's what most, you know, colleges want uh, faculty to be. Mm -hmm. They're also turning away applicants for the same exact reason. The shortage of faculty, preceptors and clinical sites. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like where, you know. Where does it lie? You know, there yeah. is a bill that's currently sitting there that's, you know, maybe going to help, you know, with the nursing faculty. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just how's that all going to play out? You know, I think there's a lot of emphasis that's being driven to it right now, which is really great to see in healthcare. you know. But then it goes right back to those who are on Capitol Hill, <laughs> you know, the yes. policymakers, the legislators. <laughs> it always seems to lead back to them, doesn't it? Yeah. It's definitely but, interesting, you know, and, of course, and then go ahead. Yeah. And of course, all of this translates back into the fact that we don't have enough nurses yeah. in our hospitals, in our health systems, in our nursing homes and, and in so many other health care sites. Um, yeah. And the important thing now is to is to not only to try to make the best and, and with what you have and to make them feel valued. But as you say, uh, Get the get the network in place so that we can try to tackle this nursing shortage by by getting more nurses into the system. Yeah. And it's even leading, you know, health organizations to even look at a complete care model redesign. Mm, You know, like if you think of like 10 years ago, you never heard of a virtual nurse. And now there's like virtual nurses, you know, so they're able to you know, take care of additional patients. Now they're low, they're they're like lower acuity patients, but they're able to, you know, they're able to monitor the vital signs. They're able to be that second set of eyes for another nurse just via an iPad, you know? And so it's just very interesting. You know, I heard of another hospital system in Ohio um, because one of my friends work back there, live up there. She was saying that they are also looking at um, eliminating 12 hour shifts which is very interesting because, you know, 10 years ago, boy, that's what nurses were flocking to. You know, they wanted those 12 hour shifts. And, you know, what that hospital system found out was that they're having more errors and the errors are happening more at the end of that, like 12 hour shift, like the eight to 12 hour mark. So they're actually looking at going back to eight hour shifts. You know, there's different organizations that are looking more into like high school you know how are they going to mentor i look back in my experience and i remember when i was in high school you know you have like all those little clubs that you can join um there was one that was like student nursing association and so that's where i got my first taste of nursing 
you know, so I so, you know, there's some systems that are doing that now. And then I think just overall broadening and strengthening the mentorship and the preceptorship program, because with a lot of the nurses who are leaving, you know, whether it's due to retirement or other things, they're taking all of that experience with them. And so what we're finding out is that some of the new nurses, especially the brand new ones who really didn't have a lot of that clinical experience because of the pandemic, you know, they're really they really need that experience and that kind of take me under your wing so I can talk to you about things. You know, and that's one of the things that I think that organizations can definitely do is just strengthen that, you know, the preceptorship program or mentorship program, whichever that they would use. Yeah, you've you've uh, almost uh, answered that this this certain final question I had here is uh, in the question being is how can a caregiver be effectively empowered by a healthcare organization uh, and by his or her managers? You know, how can the healthcare organization make nurses feel value valued and empowered? Talking about yeah. mentorship, it, it, mentorship is a long way. Uh, it, it going in that direction and also the idea of virtual tools and uh, that, yeah. uh, that ease the nurse's workflow and make it make it uh, reduce the burdens that lead to stress but yeah. you know for for this last question and you know, I know we're running out of time here is you know how how can the organization make nurses feel emp- caregivers feel empowered I think the main thing that I can you know that I would answer this is it's kind of twofold, you know, like you want to lead with empathy, you know, kind of don't forget where you came from, because all of us in nursing leadership, we all started somewhere. You know, we know what it's like to work the front lines. And so I think that the, you know, the tasks of the day to day and the multiple meetings that we have to go to and things like that, I think that we cannot forget about what it used to feel like. So I think it goes back to that leadership style, whether it be servant leadership, transformational leadership. You know, I think just being able to do that. Another big thing is one of my very first leadership roles that I took, I actually got to go to a conference of a thought leader and I'll never forget what he said. You know, he was like, what you permit you promote. And so that has stuck with me um, throughout my career. It will continue (laughs) to Mm -hmm. stick with me because I think that it's very, you know, it's very powerful. I also think, you know, the wellness programs, which, you know, I already touched on, you know, making sure that it's hardwired and it's more than just the EAP, you know, making sure that it's not someone's passion project, that it's going to continue throughout and just recognizing your team other than pizza. You know, there's so many ways, additional ways that you can recognize them. So I think just not forgetting about that, too. Yeah. What you permit, you promote. I, I like yeah. that. That's that's a that's nice. That's good. And pizza yeah. is always important, too, though. I know. <laughs> OK, well, Joanna, thank you very much for 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 joining us on the podcast today. Uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. Yes, and thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, and thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We will be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.